0: Welcome to Manifestation, Motivation and Passion. If you're looking to transform your life, this is the podcast for you. It's all about improving yourself on the inside to see transformation on the outside. I look at how to find and improve motivation and manifest lasting changes. Thank you so much for joining me today. This evening we have Leisha Monson joining us who has a Master's in Psychotherapy and Counselling and Postgraduate Degree in Psychology and extensive experience with teaching sexuality and gender. Welcome. Thank you for chatting with us this evening. Um, Thank you for having me. No problem. So um, jumping straight into it, on your website you mention language matters and gender basics for adults. What do you mean by that? So when we're talking about gender, what I'm finding when I'm talking to adults,
1: particularly parents and school teachers, is that there's a lot of confusion about what gender is. And so um, a lot of confusion about um, the correct words to use, what pronouns to use when talking to young people. And I think when it comes to gender and diversity and sexuality, it's one of the areas where young people are possibly more educated than their parents in because of the internet, and because of the... Uh, I guess the things that they're involved in, that they have more knowledge than their parents and their teachers think. So one of the workshops that I do is about just language of diversity and just describes all of the terms of um, gender, what does is, what is transgender mean, what does is, what is non-binary mean and all of that stuff. So and when I say language matters, it's really important for young people, for instance, that um, might be trans or that they are the pronouns are being used correctly. So it talks about the importance of language, the importance of using inclusive language and um, how I talk about the effect that that has on young people and um, how easy it is really to make a big difference in young people's life by using the correct language. And like I said, a lot of older people are confused about that. So it's just, it's it's a workshop covering the basics of that of that information. Yeah.
0: And so you mentioned pronouns. Can you talk a little bit yep. more about that? Well, pronouns are just, you know, that we we all use pronouns. So it's he, she, they. And people get very confused
1: about how could we possibly use, for instance, the term they uh, for a singular person. Uh, So people are confused about that and they're uncomfortable and that, you know, young people or anyone really doesn't have to be a young person, but a lot of the work I do is with young people. Um, So they may not identify as male or female. They may identify as non-binary. So they may prefer a a pronoun that is they, that is neither he or she. So it's about just how to use that pronoun. And, you know, people say you can't use it for one person, but the fact is you can. And it's just about educating people on that, Um, you know, so rather than saying he went to the shop, you would say they went to the shop, something like that. Um, Just getting people familiar with the correct pronouns to use for people uh, that may be trans or non-binary And also talk about how important that is and the impact that has on a person's sense of self and and well-being as well.
0: Now, I guess, too, it's about having a really open conversation with that person to know what they are comfortable with as well. Absolutely.
1: I I think that's a great point to make, too, that we can't assume that by the way that somebody looks, uh, what their pronoun is going to be. Or if there's uncertainty, yep, the best way forward is to ask, to have that open conversation. Do you have a preferred pronoun? I just noticed Instagram actually has just come up with uh, a section on the bio for pronouns where people can oh. um, put their pronouns on their, on their profile.
0: Oh, wow. It's mm. definitely moving with the times. That's good to see.
1: Yes. I was just going to say too, it's a, it moves, it's a really great move forward to, to normalise that. Also to normalise that for everyone, not just people that are trans or non-binary. For everyone to normalise putting our pronouns out there. So, for instance, me, I um, identify as female. You know, my gender expression is that I look like a female. And but for me, then it might be say, obvious to some people that they would refer to me as she or her. I think it's a great thing for, for people that may appear obvious also to have the pronouns in their bio or things like that, too, so that um, it's normalizing that it's a question that we ask everyone or that we just don't assume, so not to make assumptions.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think I saw something on your website that you also deal with pregnancy-related issues. Yeah. So uh, one part of my business is that I do
1: education. So I do education, work at school, parent corporate, and I also do individual therapy and couples therapy. So most of my clients are women, so I do a lot of work in the area of women's health and relationship and also sexuality so women's health stuff I do is a lot to do with pregnancy, high-risk pregnancies particularly, or just the challenges that people have um, trying to get pregnant during pregnancies and even a transition after pregnancy
0: as well Okay and something that's got me really fired up, this week we had the Craig McLaughlin interview where he said in this post Weinstein hashtag me Too world, I can't win now that to me is pissing off everybody that has either been sexually abused or raped in the film and television industry, you've got you know, other things going on in the media as well at the moment with the Brittany Higgins, we've got Weinstein recently and Epstein something that I have personal experience with for me I feel if we start linking all the dots then we will have perhaps an even bigger outpouring of people that have been drugged and uh, sexually abused or raped so when we're talking about consent I know that there is a focus on you know the young people but what can we do for those people that are you know of an older generation that perhaps just aren't getting it yet? Yeah, I think
1: it is... I mean, I haven't watched the interview, the Craig McLaughlin interview myself, but I have read some commentary on it. And I think that a lot of people are feeling a similar way to you, what you're saying, that it's been quite triggering for them, that his commentary was quite dismissive. And, and we, when we hear people saying things like, oh, I can't win in this post me too movement, yeah, it really does dismiss the seriousness of the nature of sexual assault. And um, the only people really that are losing in the post me too world is are uh, people that have sexually assaulted other people and mm. you know which is good this is a good thing and uh, uh, for people that aren't particularly you know concerned whether or not their behavior has been of a abusive nature i don't think those people are particularly worried but yeah i think to the idea there's been a lot of conversation about consent and while i do a lot of work for talking about consent with young people, the education that I actually do is talking about consent with adults, older people, because it is about challenging these ideas of consent. What is it that we're talking about when we're talking about consent? And consent is very simple. Um, uh, People are making it very complicated. You know, we all have to remember that we're not lawyers when when it comes to consent. There are people that are specific that do that job. But when we're thinking about consent, I think we really just need to get down to the basics of human interaction I I don't think that it is really true or fair to say that men are particularly confused about consent I don't think there's anything particularly confusing about it I think that it's um, quite clear that you don't you know have sex with someone that doesn't want to have sex with you or Mm. that you don't touch somebody uh, that doesn't want to be touched so the basics of consent are about respect and human decency. We get into some complex situations about consent when we start to get into, you know, what we would call the nitty-gritty of that stuff. And there are some basics that we talk about with consent, which are, you know, there are some situations which may be called grey areas. But really when we're talking about consent, what we really want to be, the message to be, is that what we're looking for is an agreement between two people, an enthusiastic agreement between two people that um, consent to engaging in sexual relationship with each other. And, you know, that can't happen if one person is passed out, if one person is yeah. drugged, if one person is significantly Absolutely. younger than the other person. That, that, that can't exist. So no. I think when we have this idea of it being so confusing, I think that really speaks to, and particularly with the older generation like you're referring to, it really speaks to the entitlement and the power differential of particularly, um, I want to say, uh, older, you know, white, older men mm. perhaps that yeah. have gotten away with things for quite a long time or at a time where it was different and, with and
0: sexual harassment in the workplace. I think for instance, you just touched on a key point is times when yeah. it was different and yeah we a time more normal going back you know, a couple of generations where grandmother's era you were seen and not heard it was mm. a very patriarchal well I still believe it still mm. is but a very patriarchal society built by men for men mm. So yeah. it's trying to target that kind of perhaps generation. And look, I'm, I'm aware that it happens, you know, across the board. Yeah. But And education when, is the key. I think absolutely it's about bringing these
1: discussions into, the, into light. And, you know, when someone says, oh, I can't win. I mean, what, it, what, is, what is it that you're trying to win? You know, is, are you now yeah. going to be held accountable for your actions? Absolutely. May you now need to consider whether or not a woman wants to be touched or whistled at or um, approached or have comments made about her appearance? Yeah, actually you will. Will I need to adjust my behaviour? Absolutely, probably. If you are used to someone that's particularly not being held accountable for your actions, which can often happen for men in powerful positions, mm. um, yeah, you're going to have to adjust. <laughs> that's absolutely right. So,
0: so yeah, education is key. Discussion the key. You mentioned before, like, a strong yes, but it doesn't always need to be verbal. Like, it can be implied. So if you were, I mm. guess, flirting with someone and... Mm perhaps it had evolved to kissing? Could that be taken yeah. as implied consent? Yeah, I mean,
1: if, if consent is... I, I think rather than using it implied, but one person can imply something that obviously, you know, from someone else's behaviour may not exist and for confusion there. So what we'd want to go for is an enthusiastic and, and obvious consent, which doesn't need to, you know, be expressed in the words, I, I consent. For instance, if the two people are involved in the actions that are progressing the interactions, then yes. They're they're obvious. If it's one person is frozen and doing nothing and the other person is evolving it, then that's different. So if you've got two people actively involved in obvious ways of um, progression of an activity, yeah, absolutely, that would be considered consent by both people.
0: And so I know a lot of it is around education, but what about Mm. for those who have already been in the position of, okay, well, this didn't work for me the way that I would have liked... How Mm. can I, you know, is there something on a personal level that people can do to, uh, I don't know, I guess protect themselves Mm. more? Do you mean after, perhaps after an assault or do you think that is a
1: triggering triggering old wound, old trauma? Well,
0: just I guess, I don't mean so much as a trigger, although it could be that too, but you know when you talk yeah. with clients do you have people that mm. you think okay well perhaps you were too silent perhaps you you know could have been more vocal about saying no mm. look it's really complicated I think that you touched on something really important that you know the
1: effects of a sexual assault are really evasive and ongoing and I think it's really natural for people that have been in that position or have been taken advantage of to assume that they've done something wrong um, or to assume it's it's a natural status for a lot of women, obviously, to say, oh, I should have done this and I should have done that. But we very much would move away from that victim-blaming type or from that self-blaming type of, of narrative, which exists and is actually really damaging. Um, I think what the process would be... Move, and, of course, that type of thinking and, and the assault itself or being taken advantage of can absolutely affect all interactions moving forward and it can blur boundaries and can make it really hard for people to trust themselves in relationships and, you know, the effects can go on and on. So what I would work with people in doing is to really help them to um, clarify that that situation and to really take back their power in it and to understand what actually happened and to, and to um, work with work with a narrative than, than one where you were um, to blame in any way. Um, it, but, you know, also if it is a situation where, you know, it may not have been a sexual assault, but you just perhaps were in a a, uh, a sexual encounter that you perhaps didn't really want to be in, but it wasn't such assault. Assault, but you just didn't feel good about it. And absolutely, we could we could work on ways for uh, people to be more assertive and and you know the training I do in consent as well is as well as how to negotiate that. What it's like? What are ways that I can use my voice? what are Different things that I can say or do. Uh, and so, you know, how do I ask for it without? You know, how do I check in with partners? That's what I do when I work with with uh, young people or anyone that's interested. To say, Here are some phrases that you can use to check in with the other person. You know, like, is this okay with you? You know, should we should we keep going? Would you like me to stop? Things like that. Um, so there's two sides to that. It's about you know helping someone find their power again, um, and also if it's just being more assertive in a relationship. That if that's what they want to be doing, and how to voice their concerns or to voice their desires even. Absolutely, something I would work with someone to do. Yep.
0: Mm. Well, thank you. You've certainly given us a lot to think about. Um, if people yeah, are wanting to you. get in contact with you, uh, how would they do so? Yeah, so you can look at my website on www.leishamont.com
1: or um, just check out the website and my email and contact phone number on there. And
0: yeah, I would love to hear from people. I'm Quinn Carnegie and I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of Manifestation, Motivation and Passion. I'm so thrilled you chose to spend time listening and would be even more grateful if you left a positive review. And if you found value, no doubt your family and friends will too. I'd love it if you share it with them. Thanks again.